It's another week of Taking Notes with Dr. John Carroll. What a week it has been. Late night recording after a sports parent weekend. But there was so much going on that I knew I could not take a week off with all that's going on in the world. Certainly there were things in my mind that I wanted to get into and share because all that is going on this week just makes the wheels in my head turn as an educator. So let me get right into it. And I want to start where I left off last week, which was the idea that given the Hamas attacks that had just happened on October 7th, when I was recording last week, my immediate thought was to think about those in my life, in my village, who are particularly of the Jewish community, and reach out to them um, just to express my support, just to be an ear, just to say that I was thinking about them. And that in and of itself provided a number of lessons uh, that I want to share because given that we are so social media oriented these days, I think the art of just checking in either by voice or by text, but just having that personal connection gets lost. And I learned a lot from reaching out to folks. And so a couple of lessons I want to share. I want to start with the idea of the level of hurt. And so, of course, as people learned about all that was going on, uh, the Hamas attacks, um, the hostages that had been taken, the subsequent uh, raid of a music festival in Israel where more innocent young people were killed, um, terrorists attacking from all angles, seemingly on motorcycles, on paragliders and cars, and just leaving uh, attendees at that festival to just run for their lives, literally. These were the things that were heavy on the minds of people that I checked in with. And I found out quickly that many folks that I know in my life had connections to people in Israel, uh, one person, you know, his wife, literally in Israel with, with family. And so dealing with that, others, you know, who had family members who'd be getting called into the army, uh, other family members who were in hiding. And so just the immense anxiety and hurt that that caused was something to be aware of um, and to take into account as I was dealing with people because when people are hurting the idea that they would have perspective or want to have perspective is not something that you can really expect and so what I immediately came to take notice of was that people who are hurting at the level that my friends were don't want to hear about how much Israel's government and its dealings um, in the past of Palestine had to do with the attacks. It's actually the last thing that they wanted to hear. I liken to, you know, if my brother uh, was in the life, was a hustler, 
and in in the midst of being a hustler, you know, he had brought harm to people and, and or even had killed people. And then he subsequently ended up being killed. Well, in that moment of my grief of losing my brother, I wouldn't want to hear shit about what he was doing in his life. All I would be focused on was the idea that I had lost my brother. And so that is the way that I think about uh, my Jewish friends in particular. I don't want to hear about the government of Israel and what it has done. All that they know, many of them, is that they have family members who are lost, perhaps forever, taken hostage. There have been others of their communities, people that they know who have been taken, dragged through the streets and killed, raped, murdered, innocent children taken and murdered. And that hurt will take a long time to be healed before they want to hear about the context in which this attack by Hamas has happened. That's the first lesson. You know, the idea that you would even come close to victim blaming Israelis is not an area that you want to tread into at this time. But yet there are those who took the free license to do so, and that's, that's their right. But all I know is that it didn't do much good in terms of talking to people this week. Um, it only made things worse certainly salt in the wound. Second thing that I quickly learned is that there's a range as with anything. So when it came to people I checked in with, there were people who felt that they needed to soldier through and, and keep going, you know, go to work and, and do their day-to-day -day, um, duties because they had to. There were others who could barely hold themselves together and needed to take space. And I think that no matter what your profession uh you need to be able to take that space. Certainly in schools uh, where you're dealing with children, if you're an adult, I would encourage you to take that space. Certainly as we get ready to start another week of school, that is something um, that I will be aware of and pushing for, and we'll talk about that more because I do want to talk specifically about schools in a bit. But that range um, was interesting to see. I marveled at the number of people that I saw go on the news who were in the midst of trying to figure out if their loved ones were still alive, whether they had been taken hostage um, or otherwise, but yet could eloquently talk about the conflict. Um, I marveled at that because God forbid, if any of my loved ones were taken in my immediate family, I would just be, just put me in a padded room because I wouldn't be able to talk like, my heart went out to those people. So the range was another thing that I took note of this week and have to be cognizant of moving forward. Um, so again, the check-in becomes important. And then the final thing that I'll say in this moment is that you have to understand that those who hurt perhaps will lash out. They certainly will be more on edge and be less in control of emotions. Certainly in this case, you have to understand that emotions may bubble over. So I immediately think about 
uh, the post that former NBA player Amari Stoudemire had. Uh, Amari Stoudemire is someone who, you know, did the research and has, you know, embraced his Jewish identity, and and he had choice words to say about the Black Lives Matter uh, movement and some of their response to um, the attacks by Hamas. Um, and he didn't hold his tongue, you know, and given what some of those per- posts were and the immediacy of those posts after the attacks, one can only understand. The BLM grassroots organization here in Los Angeles made posts that could certainly be read as being supportive uh, of Hamas. At the at the least, uh, if you look at some of those posts, they did not cite the nuance and the difference between the people of Palestine and the terrorist organization that is Hamas. I think you do a disservice to the situation when you conflate the two together. Um, and that's one of those where going back to last week, you have to do the education. You have to take the time to seek understanding and know what you're talking about before you start putting things on the interwebs that are going to last forever. So BLM, the grassroots organization in Los Angeles came under fire. The organization in Chicago came under fire for posting um, a graphic of a hang glider with a Palestine flag sticking out of it. Again, seemingly in support of the Hamas attacks. And again, as a, as a diversity, equity, inclusion practitioner, you try to be aware and, and at least, you know, think about what the intent was versus the impact. But no matter the intent in either of those situations, the impact, as you saw in Amari Stoudemire's post and others, but that one was just notable, is that they weren't trying to hear it. And it came off as insensitive and certainly inflammatory. So it's one of those things where you take the lesson that think before you speak certainly comes into play. The last thing that I want to get into before I close up this open is the idea that if you relied on social media this week for your information, you have to be careful. I didn't even see the Social Dilemma documentary that talks about the way that uh, social media companies, you know, adjust things, use algorithms to feed information to certain people in certain ways. But it certainly is a case study this week when you think about how information got funneled to different people. So my timeline was very much slanted in in a certain way, uh, given the people that I know and given, you know, uh, who, who I follow. And I was glad this week to have others who sent me information. So I had a range of perspectives and could sift through information and do my own analysis because it is easy to see how as informative as social media could be, it could also be just as divisive. And this case of this Hamas attack and now the impending response from Israel is a definite case study in how 
depending on what information you're getting, you can be enraged or polarized in either direction, which does no good for anybody. So just some lessons that I took from this week, again, all of them reaffirming the idea that first and foremost, given all that's going on, my mission is to just keep checking in on the folks in my life who have been affected on all sides to make sure that they're okay, they understand that they have support, and that we condemn all forms of violence, of genocide, the murdering of innocent children in particular. None of that should stand. Doesn't matter who's doing it. We'll be right back. Turning from the person to the professional now, I want to talk about what schools can be thinking about as they continue to have to function in the midst of this Israeli-Hamas conflict, which by all accounts is only going to continue to escalate in the coming weeks. And it's been interesting this first week where all schools, certainly here locally and I would imagine nationally, were moved to put out statements about the attack. It was interesting to have access to a number of them here in LA from schools and seeing how strong some were in terms of an action plan and how much more concise and neutral others were. And again, it speaks to that range of emotion that may exist within certain communities schools feeling that they may need to be more neutral and not come out too hard in one direction because of the makeup of their community. Either way, all schools found ways to make statements this week. Many uh, making sure to use words like condemn, making sure to note the right for Israel to defend itself and saying that they would stand with, keep in their hearts and minds those who are affected by the violence taking place abroad. And so as we approach week two, there's a couple things that I would recommend if I was the guru of all schools that they continue to think about. And the first is to remain inclusive. Many schools these days have diversity mission statements, diversity offices, those that continue to have them, and have put somewhere in their mission statements notions of diversity and inclusion. And so this is a time to live up to those missions and not be pulled too far in one direction, most notably while there was an attack on Israel 
that we all know was heinous and that Hamas is certainly an organization that cannot be allowed to continue to rain terror on Israel and that there will be a, a rise, certainly in anti-Semitism that will result. There will also correspondingly be a rise in Islamophobia, which cannot be ignored and schools have to be aware of that. So in creating spaces for conversation and teaching, and that should be at the forefront of any school leaders who are putting that together. If I'm a teacher this week, certainly in high school, I'm finding ways to connect whatever is being taught to what is going on because this is history currently. This is an inflection point in our history uh, that can be connected back to many other points in the past and give students a much deeper understanding because it is happening right now in their lives. But to teach what is going on from one perspective will do damage to school communities and pull them apart. The other thing that is very important for schools to think about is who is in their community and to keep their messages age appropriate, what will be necessary and helpful in an elementary school community is going to be vastly different from a middle or high school community. I saw a number of warnings going out to, to schools from those in the mental health professions that youngsters, if they're not already held off of social media apps such as Instagram and TikTok, should certainly be held back from using those apps currently because of the amount of imagery that is being spread by Hamas of the violence that they have perpetrated on Israeli hostages. And so that is something to think about for schools. The other thing is, what is the message? Have younger students been exposed to the same thing as older students? And if so, how do you deal with that? So that is a big, big discussion for school leaders to have. And certainly, again, if you're dealing with high schoolers, you want to make sure that you're guiding discussion. High schoolers, I know, tend to latch on to their perspectives and, and hold fast to it as they are growing into being independent young people who are soon to be adults. And teachers have an opportunity, given their years, their veteran status, to help guide them to see more than just the side that they have grown most attached to, to at least have an understanding of both sides of the equation. So age appropriateness, a key. And then the final one, which will probably be the most difficult, is to remain apolitical. Schools are noted certainly in the U.S. for being a little more progressive-leaning, many of them. And you certainly, in this case, do not want to be seen 
as pushing one perspective, one agenda over another. Schools will be pressed to make sure that they are identifying universal themes to push on, like humanity, kindness, conflict resolution. But I would also add a deep understanding of the history, again, going back to global education last week. This conflict provides an opportunity to understand how we're all connected, how our interests go together, and in understanding those interests, thinking about ways that we can coexist much better. So it's going to be difficult for schools. I hope schools are holding space for students. I hope parents are communicating with schools because it is a partnership between parents and schools. I hope parents are communicating with school leaders what is going on in their household so that school leaders can respond accordingly. Again, any person that I talked to this week that talked about the hurt that they're feeling, the anxiety that their children are feeling, the unease and uncomfortableness, not feeling safe, I've urged families to make sure that they are touching base with school leaders so that they are aware and can respond accordingly. Because at the end of the day, that is what is most important to those who work in schools, work with children and want children to feel safe. They should feel safe. And I know I certainly take it as a strong responsibility for the students in my care to feel safe when they come to school every day. But it is a two-way street, and I hope that parents find those ways to communicate with school leaders and the school leaders find those ways to work with parents productively so that students can feel safe when they walk in the doors every day. When we come back, we'll wrap up for this week with so much going on, the Dean's List and the Honor Roll.
Gaza and how it moves forward. See you then. The views expressed by John Carroll and his guest in the preceding podcast are solely that of the authors and do not necessarily reflect the views of their employers, companies, or other associated parties. Thank you.